and what 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 do I want to know this? Because you're just you're this big gelatinous blob of God knows what, and you. I am. You're, I'm. <laughs> I feel rude. insulted by your tone. And you roll around, <laughs> and the things that you roll on. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 201 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have Tammy Coron down. I want to say Tammy, Tammy Lynn Coron, I don't know why. Because we also Lynn's have Tammy Coron down in, sorry? That's because Lynn's my middle name. Well, there you go. So we have Tammy Lynn Coron down in West Tennessee as well. Hey now. So hey, you're near, can I say you're where you're near? Yeah, but I might have to kill you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no, because didn't somebody try and go into our, into our restaurant near near you and got refused service, not because of the color of her skin, but for the content of her character. No, that was Virginia. That was Virginia. Yeah, I'm nowhere near Virginia. Yeah. Oh, so Lexington is up there? Not, it's a different Lexington. It's not Lexington, Kentucky, which is one you're thinking of. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Well, I just thought it was, you know, it's it's taken 50 years, but finally somebody got tossed out for the content of the character. No, it's Lexington, Virginia. There's a Lexington everywhere, but now everyone knows that Lexington is like like the size of a postage stamp. It's like Springfield. It's Springfield is where, why they chose the name for this, The Simpsons because pr- practically every state has a Springfield. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Oh, wait, Tammy, do you also live in Lexington? Lexington <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. Oh, okay. okay. She may or may not. I, that I may yeah. or may not. You can cut that how, part. How tightly but... is your tinfoil hat wrapped? Yeah. <laughs> she can neither confirm nor deny. Oh, I can always deny. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> so did you say hello yet? I, I might have, but I can say it again. Hey, now. Oh, there you go. Hey, now. All right. See, you are the Sidekick, I told you. I right? am the sidekick. I I don't I I can't break that that sidekicky mold. That mold because that was that was what Je- Jeffrey Tambor used to say on the on the Gary Shandling. What was that Jerry Gary Shandling show? Gary Shandling show. I think it was called It's go. That Gary Shandling Show. But no, that was a different oh, okay. one. Um, the the one this is the one where he was the the the, the talk show host that you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, 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 yeah. But come yeah, on, let's let's called? be honest. Heroes are only great because of the sidekicks that they the That's company true. They have that to they have something keep, to compare right? them against. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So y'all are just good because I'm here. And she said y'all, folks. There y'all. you go. Now you're all happy. The Jersey girl said y'all. Hey, so we do have an Ask MTJC from our friend of the show, Sean Marson, and one of our premier sponsors, Sean, Sean Marson, by the way. Thank you very much, Sean, for sponsoring the show. Um, he says, uh, you missed it for episode 200. I'm not sure if we missed why, why he says we missed it, but uh, he says, my upgrade sweet spot is year one, first year for Mac. Second, it's got here Y1 and then it's got a Mac emoji. So I'm going to read it out as how I think it reads, but it says Y1. So he says, year one, he updates his Mac. Year two, he updates his iPhone, I think. Year three, he does his iPad. And then year four, he's got his iPhone again and repeat. So doesn't I don't understand. Anyway, so hasn't quite worked out where the Apple Watch... So he hasn't quite worked out where the Apple Watch, the HomePod, and the AirPods, and the AirPower, et cetera, fit in. But um, Wait, hang on. What's an AirPower? Air that was that, oh, that's uh, the... the wireless charging pad that still doesn't exist yet. Oh. Yeah, you lay, okay. you lay your phone down on top. The reason why the, 
8 and the and the iPhone 10 have a glass back is because you can lay them down on an induction charger and they'll charge your phone wirelessly. Oh, I thought it was so I can break it easier and get a new upgrade. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that too. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so he's uh, interested to know what we think about our upgrade paths. Well, I mean, I can go first because I'm sitting here in front of my 2013 um, MacBook Air and I just noticed on the box behind me that, that I purchased it in, in July of 2013. So I'm now, this is now five years old officially. Uh, I have replaced the battery a couple of months ago because it, it finally died. But yeah, I, uh, my next Mac will, will, will be a touch bar or a, a Mac that at least has touch ID on it. Maybe face ID if we get fortunate in the near, near future. Um, but that's definitely where I would go uh, with that. But I'm not sure when, that, when that's coming from or where my budget's coming for that either. Um, I am thinking of spinning out my, um, my iPad Pro 12.9 and um, buying either one before... Uh, another iPad Pro, probably a 10-inch one um, soon, or I might wait till the fall. Basically, you know, The way things go, I probably will wait till the fall to see what Apple release, releases as far as new iPads go. Um, and I just bought my iPhone 10 after, what, I, iPhone 6? So that was like three years. So I'm on a three-year, three to five-year plan of upgrading stuff. I used to buy a phone every year, but I'm not quite doing that anymore. So how about you, Mark? What do you, uh, what do, you do for So I still, my home computer is still a MacBook Pro 2013. Uh, I'm kind of overdue for a new one. I've been holding off waiting for you know, the new ones to come out. I've been saying that for a little while now, um, but I am kind of due to get a new one anytime now. So yeah, it's been five years. That's longer than I usually go. I usually go about three years. So yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, for the iPad, I'm also due for new iPad. Uh, and uh, as I've talked about a few times, I'm, I'm also waiting for the new models there. Hoping and, and uh, really hoping for you know a, a something iPhone X like in the, in the new iPad. Because I'm really happy with FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. Uh, with the phone, I have a iPhone 10. Uh, I got I moved to that directly from an iPhone 7, so it was only a one-year switch for me there. Uh, although I usually that was the first time I've, I I did it after one year. I usually usually would go two years because I was on a contract with a carrier. Uh, now that we don't have we don't have contracts, it's it's uh, it's much easier to switch earlier. So I switched after a year. Uh, I don't have an Apple Watch. I don't have a HomePod. I don't have AirPods. But I want to get a HomePod. But I'll probably wait for version two of the HomePod. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit different for me when I was when I was in the business of selling Macs. I mean, I had access to them at a, at a kind of a discounted price. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I could buy them cheaper. I mean, I bought this I, this MacBook Air was one of the last ones I bought on when I was still a reseller. But, um, you know, so I would change equipment out, but I would, I would, you know, I'd flip it. I would sell it to somebody else as used and then, mm-hmm. you know, add a few, few couple of hundred bucks or whatever to it and buy a new one, right? So I was pretty much, you know, up to date on Macs. But yeah, now that I'm on my own, like a regular regular Joe, can't really afford it. Yeah. What do you do, Tammy, for uh, for your uh, upgrade path? Well, I first had to hit about this Mac because I had no clue what I'm running here. It looks like I've got the MacBook Pro Retina 13-inch early 2015, but the only reason I have this is because my primary machine, which is a 15-inch, I think it's probably 2013, had an issue when my cats decided to throw it off my desk one day, and I couldn't be without a computer, so I had to like rush to get this one. And I only use this one for when I'm traveling or if I'm doing podcasting. Aside from that, I really, when I was developing as a primary job, as a developer, I would have every new thing that ever came out just simply because I needed to make sure that it worked on an actual device. So nowadays, if if there's a direct need for me to do something like write a book about some technology like I had to do with the iPhone 10 and the AR kit book by tutorials on Ray Wenderlich, then 
you know, I go out and I get the device. But otherwise, you know, I, I really, I don't, I don't like to upgrade if I don't have to. If, if there's a specific need where I have to do something that I cannot do on my current equipment, then, then I upgrade. Otherwise, I just I hang out and wait. Is that because the you know, attitude of if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Well, it's a, little, it just, it's a little bit about that, but it's also about I'm trying to be more aware of my consumerism lately. I, I just feel like it's not so much a money thing. It's more of a wasteful thing. It's kind of like, how much do I really need to be happy? How much do I really need to enjoy this life? Do I need every iteration of the iPhone? Do I need to throw $1,000 at something? Now, you know, why did I throw $1,000 at the iPhone 10? I have an iPhone 10. I didn't need it. You know, I, I had the iPhone 7. Actually, no, I had the, I think I had the iPhone 6. I don't remember. You were going to get a, you were going to get a stick and a flip phone. I was, and I'd be correctly. happy with that. But, you know, so the, the, a need came up to be able get to two, have it. Two cans, tin cans, and a piece of string in between. Look, man. No, that would not, require another person. That, I'm okay with that. I am, I, you know, I'm thinking about just packing it in, getting an RV, and going and having a good all time. But in the meantime, I still have to put food on the table for the family. And part yeah. of that is sometimes you need to spend money to make money. And that was the case with the iPhone 10. The iPhone I had, I can't remember if it was the 6 or 7, was totally fine. It was it had a crack, but it was all right. Now I needed to get the 10 because I had to have that device to do whatever development task or writing task. Yeah, it was the AR stuff or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 But aside you know, from you, that, no. We joke about the RV, but I actually have a friend who did that about a year or so ago. She quit her job, sold her house, bought a new RV, you know, top of the line RV, and has been just driving around the country ever since. Oh, no, Mark. It, it is yeah. no joke. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is yeah. a plan that is being put into motion. It's just a matter of proper planning and the right right timing. Yeah, yeah. But with the price of and gas today, we can't afford not to buy a pony. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that last night. My husband and I were talking about we have um, neighbor, we have a pretty big plot of land, but we do have neighbors that have horses and at a certain angle we can see the horses. And we were talking to each other last night. We are like, oh, isn't it nice we can see the horses? Oh, yeah, it's great. We don't have to take care of them, this, that, and the other thing. He says, yeah, exactly, especially yeah. with us traveling. I said, well, we could always just get horses and travel on the horses and kind of combine <laughs> the two. Yeah, you get yourself a, like a, a wagon, you know, and just hitch, hitch, a, hitch a ride. And, Look, man, you know. I'd do it. If he would go for it, I would totally do it. Yeah, crazy. There's a lot of work for horses. Hmm. So I, lately I've been updating my G-Squad app, which is, uh, surprisingly enough, it's written, in Co- it's written in Cocos 2D, which is sort yep. of a C variant. And um, it's also written with a lot of Objective-C because it's, you know, it's that, that old program. I think I wrote it in 2009 or something, 2010. And um, what I've been finding that, and this is coming back to what Tammy was saying about having one of every device, is I pretty much only have an iPhone 10 now, right? So I was actually updating the app to fit on the iPhone 10, And because um, there's no... I don't have access to auto layout because uh, Cocos 2D is too old for that. Right. Um, I'm not really sure if I don't. I mean, because some of it's it's a mix of, of of some some views are like native and some views are are um, I don't know. I don't know what you call it when you, you add the extra M to the. Remember you had the M the dot M file for an implementation file and, and dot MM if it had C code that's, in it. That's is what that we right? need C plus plus code. Not, C Okay. C++. Yeah. Yeah. So everything anything in Objective C always has access to C. Right. Okay. You want an Objective C file to also have access to C plus plus. 
it has to be an MM file. Right. So and so it, what so what I'm finding though is that I've had to I've had to do I had to go back to the old caveman style of coding where I'm actually getting the size of the screen and determining whether or not based on the height of the screen whether it's uh, an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 8 or an yeah. iPhone 5 or whatever. So cuz back cuz cuz you have the sort of retina dis- you have the retina displays which first came out around that time when I was working on this app. So I've had to go through and then so I don't have anything to test it on. So I threw up on test flight last and I got all the you know, did all the work and all the coordinate uh, coordinates for all the buttons and all the views and everything to work f- beautifully on the iPhone 10. Threw it up on test flight this morning. Had a friend of mine download it on to his, uh, his iPhone 7 actually, and all the layouts are all messed up, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah. So I mean, it's just I guess it's just the 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 logic that we used to work in older OSs along with Cocos yep. 2D, 2D aren't working anymore. So well, things were certainly a lot easier in some sense, uh, especially with keeping up with the latest equipment when right. there was only one phone. There was right, right. just one one iPhone per year. Not not the currently right now. There's four mo- latest models of iPhone, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how many? Probably three iPads. I'm not I'm not even sure how many there are. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, the iPad aspect ratio hasn't changed much, right? True. The, my, the issue is that the iPhone seven is narrow. Or sorry, iPhone ten. I keep calling it seven. The iPhone ten is actually narrower and taller. At least you're not yeah. calling it the iPhone X. True. Oh, I, I hear that at work all the time. I have yeah. I have a permanent like like hand shaped um, mark on my forehead. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's actually it, it is pretty frustrating, and, and this is why, as I've mentioned before, we need more size classes. Uh, right, right. When you consider you've got the iPhone 10 aspect ratio, you've got the sort of the, what I consider the standard aspect ratio now, but not. I guess it's not really, but but I, uh, you know, the the iPhone 8 aspect ratio. Uh, then you've got the 8 plus aspect. Actually, the 8 plus aspect ratio is the same as the 8, right? I think it is. Uh, but then you've got the uh, the SE. Which is the old four-inch aspect ratio? So that's the you know the the three twenty by five sixty-eight inheritor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you also have unless you're doing a, a universal app, in which case you have to support the iPhone, the iPad aspect ratio. But if you're not doing a universal app, you still have to worry about the fact where the case where people can run your iPhone app on your iPad on their iPad, and then it's the three twenty by four eighty aspect ratio that you have still have to support. Right. And, also, uh, so although you know auto layout is supposed to handle all this completely seamlessly in practice it's not really the case because sometimes you just have too much stuff to fit on on the screen in a, yeah. in a reasonable way so auto layout just can't can't do it yeah that, that by the way that auto layout talk at wwc the the high performance audit they yep. did a lot of talking about how to sort of get down to the basics of doing it so if people yep. are interested check that out but but just you know i fell back to one of our own recommendations that we had on the show a couple of months ago was that on paint code on their blog uh they've got the ultimate guide to iPhone resolutions. So, so I was using that today. Once once I figured out that that uh, my layouts were wonderful on the on the so what I was doing was I was detecting whether or not the height of the phone was com- being registered as 812, which is what the height of an iPhone 10 is, mm-hmm. and then 568 for the fives and smaller, like you just mentioned, and uh, 667 for the six six S seven and eight, and 736 for the six plus six S plus seven plus and eight plus. So that's where so I fell back to this file, and I have a link 
in the show notes to this thing if people are curious about that too. But and it, speaking with thinking about it, I was just riffing on this idea with a friend of mine at work um, that you know in trying to figure all this stuff out, I had to go back to the drawing board with a lot of this code. And and I don't know if you've noticed lately, but if you're working in any Objective C, there are no resources on the internet anymore to help you out other than Apple's documentation. So if you if you don't remember what you were doing back then and you, and you get stuck and you want to go look up some stuff, you have to read it in Swift and kind of convert it back in your brain to to write it back in the old ugly square brackety kind of Objective C. So maybe we should start a website just doing Objective C tutorials, Mark. What do you mm. think about that? Yeah. No, don't do that. No. no. <laughs> I, I just said the other day, I was like, you know, I remember when Swift first came out, I was like, oh gosh, who would ever use that? I'm never going to use that. And then like now, every time I see or have to deal with Objective C, I'm like, ooh, I feel dirty. I need a shower. <laughs> oh, I still like Objective C, but I, but I do find myself having to stare at the screen for a few seconds and recalibrate anytime I, I yeah. try to do Objective C. That's true. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. moving the the types to before instead of after. <laughs> yeah, I just right. To, yeah. I just have to you know make that mental shift every time yeah. I do it. Well, I had some weird errors too. Uh, let me see if I can remember some of the ones off the top of my head. I've got some of the pages I had open when I was working on this. Like, uh, and, and I have I have more than once type started typing square bracket square brackets into Swift code. Yeah, and and wondered, hey, why isn't this working? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm always delighted when I'm doing some, I'm working in Objective-C and I, and I do some dot syntax and it works. I'm like, hey, look at that. It works, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we got that later, got that back in there. Yeah. So you know what it was? I had, so I hadn't, I hadn't updated all the UI alert stuff in, in one of my apps and, uh, cause I, you know, the alert controller and the problem is all, all the sort of reference stuff around the web is, is written in, uh, written up for Swift. So I had to go back and discover how to write it for Objective-C, which mm. is, which is funny. Cause you know, you got the, you know, the alert controller and then you have the alert actions and so yep. on and so forth. Yep. And add actions and present controller yeah. alert. They're a little animated. bit more yes. verbose now than they used to be when it was just... Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, yeah. yeah, supposed to be easier, but like it's it actually ends up being a little bit more coding. I guess I guess it's more flexible because you, yeah. you used to have to write a, a method and I, you know, I'd forgotten about this. You had to write a method to look at the index of the button that you chose and... Right, it was all delegate-based. It. it was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that it's necessarily any easier. It's just uh, now it's just... It's, it's definitely more flexible. I guess it is easier because you, you can use closures yeah no no yeah you can ha- you can handle the action right there at right. the time when you're when you're writing the button or whatever yep. you know the okay yep. yes or next or what have you but yeah, for sure it's cool. more wordy yeah well, yeah, so that's our Ask MTJC for the week, I guess. Um, follow-up. Do we have any follow-up? Hmm. Yeah, well, I guess we have some topics that are kind of follow-up. Uh, but before we get to the follow-up, I want to do a fact check, which is a thing we used to do on uh, Spotcast, on our other more than just Star Trek podcast. Um, yeah, so, and we were talking about uh, our the number of episodes that our hosts have been on in our 200 episodes. And um, there was a discrepancy between uh, what Fireside reports, because what happens in Fireside is each each episode you go in and you have to put a checkbox next to each host. And for some reason, the math doesn't add up in terms of what we reported last week. And so I so I went and got got the RSS feed, which is the the Bible, the Rosetta Stone of this podcast. That's what actually goes into you know feeding uh, Overcast, and this is how you guys see the episodes and the links and stuff for those of you driving at home. So I got a better count of what the actual authors of the show or the people speaking are listed as authors in iTunes. So myself, Tim, I, I have 196 appearances on the More Than Just Coat podcast. Jaime has 159 appearances. Mark has 156 appearances. So I'm catching up since he's not here this week. I'm getting closer. Yeah, you're, you're sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Greg had 100, uh, sorry, Greg had 42 and Tammy's 
still has 30. So Tammy, Tammy gained an extra one. And uh, yeah, so like there's an author, iTunes author tag that's inside the RSS feed. If you guys want to, if you're curious and you want to go download the RSS and look at it, and you can see that, you know, we credit everybody who appears on the show as an author. So that's that. And then the next thing was at 4730, I was talking about the number of downloads for the show. And at the time at hand, I only had uh, 264,000 downloads on Fireside. But before we came to Fireside, we had 150,000 downloads uh, when we were when we were self-hosting. So that's a total of 414,000 downloads of the show since we started in roughly, I could get the actual exact date. Maybe that's a fact check for next week, uh, August 6th or so. August 6th or August 7th, somewhere in there when we first started our first episode, or published it anyway. So that's our fact check. Wait, how many downloads? 414,000. Nice. Roughly. Give or take a few. And I rounded that up <laughs> to the thousands. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then we've got uh, some follow-up here. And first one I put up here was, and I don't know if you guys remember, mentioned that, that uh, I got a, uh, a Touch Bar Mac when they first came out, like within the first week or so at the office. And about six months into it, I started noticing I had some problems with my keyboard. So I had to take it over and get it serviced. Fortunately, I had bought Apple Care on it. So look, the repair was free. But Apple has now announced, or they've admitted to the fact that there is a faulty uh, set of keys in what we call the butterfly keys on the MacBook and the MacBook Pro keyboards. And so they've opened up a, a repair program, which I believe goes for four years. Let's see what the details are here on the link that we'll have in the show notes. Yeah, this covers everything from a 2015 uh, MacBook Retina 12-inch, I think was when they first came out, all the way up to the latest ones, which is the 2017s um, of uh, the, Mac, the MacBook Pro 15s. And uh, yeah, just have to contact an Apple Authorized Center. They'll check it out and see if it's worthwhile, if it's covered, um, and they'll fix it up for you. What's the <laughs> issue that you were actually having? So what was happening for me was that um, some keys just uh, didn't work. Like um, you, you'd kind of press them, and uh, if you kind of if you kind of tapped it, like you're supposed to be able to just tap these keys because they're they're really low. Um, uh, what do you call it on guitar? Where we have low, uh, pro, uh, low action, low action, very low action. Yeah, and so very little uh, amount to actually register a key. But on some keys, you're pretty. pretty I think it, I mean, in my case, it was my command key, which I, I practically have my thumb riding on my command key all the time, right, on my left hand. And uh, so sometimes I'd have to actually you know really forcefully push down on the command key to get it to register. And uh, so I had that and a couple of keys. And I and so I, I took it in and they replaced the whole they replaced the whole top case is what they do, right? Because uh, it's all in sort of all built into one. But yeah, so Apple's uh, apparently oh, there's a, a class act, two two class action lawsuits over this particular issue. So, so that's why they're uh, yeah. So anyway, there's a link in the show notes here from um, uh, Mac Rumors for people to have a look at. You have a you have a the same Mac uh, uh, Touch Bar Mac at your office, right, Mark? Well, I do, but I I almost never use the actual keyboard on the on the laptop because I use a mm. I use a, a Bluetooth keyboard right. uh, instead. But you know, I've had an interesting issue with that. That's in some ways kind of similar. So I wonder if it's actually the same root cause where the 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 symptom. I mean, maybe a little different, maybe more of a connectivity issue. But but it'll it'll just stop responding for a while. It'll just you'll be tapping and, and just see nothing is happening, and then it'll come back and repeat whatever the last key that you typed hundreds of times. <laughs> so so oh, really, as if it's stuck, right? You know, it just scrolls. Yeah, yeah. And it just stopped, and, and there's nothing you can do to, to get it back except uh, you know disconnect or or restart the you know reboot the the 
a keyboard, there's a little switch you can restart the turn off and on. When it oh, really? Huh. Mode. Yeah, it's it's really annoying because if you're if you're ever doing, I mean, if it's okay, if it's you know, if you're just typing a document, it's easy enough to change. But if you're ever writing code, it can be a real pain because all of a sudden you've got a, a thousand G's uh, in the middle of your code. So that's on your Bluetooth keyboard, though, on right? On the Bluetooth keyboard, yeah. Yeah, so is that an Apple keyboard or? It is an Apple keyboard. It's the official oh, okay. Apple. But is the is the button style keys the old old stuff, old uh, aluminum type button style keys? Button keys? It's the uh, it's the uh, the white one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the, the keys are also white. Yeah. But, so the tricky part about the Touch Bar computer or the the MacBook computer and the MacBook Pro butterfly keys is they're really low, and so sometimes people think it's like you get a little bit of dirt underneath them, like a piece of sand or whatever. That just seems to be enough to sort of mess them up, right? Yeah. So I, I've never been able to figure out what it was, and yep. and I wasn't about to take them apart, which is what I might have been doing. I would have done that if it, if it was my own personal computer and I couldn't, you know, uh, play it. But um, yeah, so they've got a picture here of, of I guess the two styles of keys. Anyway, Tammy left and now she's back again. Mm-hmm. I had to turn off the oh, light. Oh, why? Because it was too bright. I, I swear I'm like part vampire or something. I see. Wait, do zombies right. like light? Um, no, they like brains. Oh yeah, no. I, ha- I didn't have to go <laughs> eat a brain. I just had to turn off the brains. light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, last week Greg was talking about Airbnb and they're um, they're getting out of the React Native game. And a friend, uh, well, friend of mine anyway, Ash Furrow uh, wrote an interesting blog post on uh, the uh, changeover from React Native to um, he's called it Airbnb React Native expectations. And it's more, it's not so much complaining about or. Dis- them or whatever for, for making a change, but um, sort of praising them for the kind of uh, document that they wrote in the in this four-part blog that they talked about how they, they got into it. Um, and he kind of breaks it down. I read through a bit of it um, the other day. Uh, so it's an interesting read um, on Rash's perspective on what uh, the change away from and, and how they handled the React Native uh, transition, like the, the this taking the step back. Um, they kind of gave themselves like a year or so to, to sort of work it out. And if it wasn't going to work, they would they would uh, step away from it. But so uh, I'll leave this here for the people to check out this link from Ash. Uh, I don't know if you guys are reading through it right now, but um, his take on how they, they handled the, um, the the documentation of moving away from React Native. Yeah, no, that that was actually fantastic. Uh, what their thought process was and, and uh, you know, documenting what the pros and the cons were. I, th- I thought it was pretty, it was pretty even handed uh, and uh, a pretty good insight into, into what happened. So I, I really like the article with you know, independent of my feelings of React Native, uh, and uh, you know, you could probably guess what those are. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't like JavaScript very much. Um, but uh, I, I definitely thought the description was really good. Cool. All right, so I'll leave this link here for in the show notes for people to have a look at that one. Tammy, do you have any thoughts on React Native? Have you even looked at it? No, no, I don't. I haven't looked at it at all. As a matter of fact. All right. Okay. This is Wait, this is a story. I? For, we, no. Should you look at it? Yeah. No, because like this is the second time this week it's come up that someone has asked me, "Oh, do you know anything about React Native?" or, or <laughs> Swift RX, I'm like, no, actually, I know nothing. Well, here's here's my take. Well, this okay. This gather around, children. Yeah, this gather around. Be a, a fully uh, thought through take, but but it seems to me that if if you have a, a large team of people who know JavaScript and are not mobile specialists, let's say, so they're front end web engineers, they know JavaScript, they 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 also may have may have done some Node.js, uh, then it's it's probably a good way to 
get them going on mobile quickly. But if you've got a lot of mobile expertise, like you've been writing iOS for 10 years, uh, then trying to pick up one of these JavaScript frameworks right now, I, I just think makes zero sense at all. Because it always seems to me like it's always going to be playing catch up with the native code. Every single year, Apple comes up with something new. Uh, and if you're doing it natively, then you have immediate access to all the new stuff. If you're depending on, on Facebook or some third party library to translate it into JavaScript so you can use it, not only are you paying that waiting cost for them to do it and, you know, and, and bugs and, and whatnot, uh, but, you know, but you also get whatever overhead there is to translating from JavaScript into, into uh, the native language. So it, it depends where you're coming from. If you, if you're, if you have a, a large team of, of, uh, you know, web oriented people who you want to be able to mix and match and not have to become specialists in iOS, then yeah, it might be a good solution for you. But like I said, if you're, if you are already an expert or want to be an expert in iOS or Android for that matter, then it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense to, uh, to use it. I understand the arguments for write once, use twice, but from what, not only from what these guys said, but just from, you know, my own experience with similar type things, it's, it's never really the case that you write it once and it just works on both platforms. It never really has. That's my two cents. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, yeah, we have, we've had similar experiences with, you know, um, trying to merge different kinds of languages and like you, 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 we write a middleware or a middle piece for the, uh, for iOS and you share it on, sorry, write a middle piece and you share it for both iOS and Android. That's the, the promise of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think what a gentleman at Apple once explained it, it's kind of a degraded experience compared to what you can do natively. Yep. Um, because you get all the sort of UI animations and nice transitions and things like that as well that, that, uh, you know, you're essentially using, you're building a web page to be presented in a wrapper, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, like, like I, I've gone through Marin's book on, on RX Swift and, and it, it, it doesn't look interesting. I mean, I don't really, I can't really grok uh, a need for it right now. And I, and I just finished the diatribe on going back in time and writing, you know, updating an app that I, that, you know, I guess you could say, why don't you just rewrite it in Swift or in Swift or with SpriteKit? And part of me says, yeah, okay, I could do that. But then it all comes back to what Mark was saying earlier, but not having the time to maintain, you know, and keep things up to date. And, and I don't want Apple to sh- shut my app down in a couple of years because I don't have a retina, disp- you know, I don't have support for iPhone 10. And the other side of it is I'm, it's a a bit of a challenge for me to do that too so there is that sort of i think there's different reasons why you try different things um you know i've i've wanted to rewrite my app this the geek squad app in in uh in uh sprite kit for years but then again i'm like well why don't i just write a whole new game in sprite kit and just you know sunset geek squad but you know geek squad, geek geek squad, squad has two. Of, see you're, you're talking about two, a bunch yeah, of yeah. different things here like you know writing something in sprite kit and writing something cross-platform and and being sure. able to make Maintain it. I mean, they're kind of two two separate conversations there because yeah. this this conversation always comes up for me being a game developer. It's like, oh well, why would you spend the time writing in in Sprite Kit or or Scene Kit when you've got Unity over here, which is cross platform, right at once, and it, it works everywhere. And it's kind of like, and, and I've said this analogy more than once, and I apologize for those who have heard it, but it really rings true to me, and I hope it rings true to you that even Batman knows that there's more than one tool for every job because if there wasn't he would have no reason to have a utility belt and yet he does so it's really- but he only has well, he one multiple bad job compiler he needs multiple tools for right yeah. but it, it's like you know you have to- but there's only one bat framework and one bat <laughs> compiler only one and one bat, bat, bat computer we call that kapow no 
No, but <laughs> think about it. Like you, you want to write that Sprite Kit game yeah or, yeah, or just that game. You have to decide. And Tim, I know you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if Mark and I have, but you have to decide what your why is. Like, why are you doing that thing? When you know yeah, why yeah. you're doing that thing, then you can figure out the what and the how and the everything that goes along with it. But unless you don't understand, and I mean, I don't mean just like on the surface, understand your why. I mean, like truly understand why you are making that choice, why you want to do that thing. When you understand that, the rest just falls into place. If you if you want to make that game or you want to learn RX Swift because you have this thing, you have that why, and you answer that why, then the answer comes so easily to what framework to use. Well, I want to learn how to make a game in Sprite Kit. Well, duh, yeah. My why is I want to learn Sprite Kit, so I'm going to do it. Or if your why is I want to make this really cool, wicked platform game that works on all platforms, then that's your why. And your answer is use Unity, right? So that's the way that I approach things. Sure, sure. And coming, well, let's bring it back to what this this whole React Native thing with Airbnb. I mean, they had a bunch of whys was was their their expectations what what, what uh, Ash is talking about. You know, they they felt that they would be able to move faster as an organization. You know, they would they would have uh, be able to have a quality level that they could set. You know, uh, by using native tools in the sense um, they could write the code once and again use it twice, as Mark said, and then um, and they would approve the overall developer experience. But when they, but what they found was that that the reasons for maintaining it their why became let's just get away from it and get back onto something else too, right? So um, that, by the way, that's why that's why people come to the show to hear what we confused. We we were talking about React Native, but also we were throwing in RX Swift uh, sure. as a reactive programming style for Swift. So they're they're different things. Don't just don't yeah, confuse course. that we're, yeah. we're uh, even though we were using different terms. Yeah, and then, well, I mean, I'm talking about all the different kind of tools. Like, I mean, yeah. I've gone through a number. I mean, I I used to write JavaScript. In fact, at one point in time, and I don't know if I was being forward thinking or just a complete idiot, but um, you know, my son or opened both. a school as huh, <laughs> or both, <laughs> or both. So my son opened a school as 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 English as a second language, and I was just getting into you know scripting, and and uh, I hadn't quite I hadn't discovered PHP yet, but I was writing HTML, and I kept thinking to myself, well, why am I doing the same thing over and over and over again, right? So instead of doing that, I wrote basically a bunch of JavaScript that would assemble the you know basically take core components of what would end up being web pages, and I used JavaScript to build them dynamically, right? It was a horrible thing to maintain a couple of years later, but thankfully he sold the business, and I didn't have to maintain the site. But, um, but, you know, I did that too. I mean, like, so I went down the JavaScript route and I learned that. I went, I've been down CSS. I keep getting dragged back into CSS and stuff like that, you know. So you, you, you do have to learn different languages or you have to try different things, you know. You can't just be, in my mind, I'm not a one-trick pony, right? So um, I've tried all these these other things. And, and um, you know, so as Tammy was saying what she was saying, and I'm thinking, why am I going back and, and uh, you know, updating this this uh, Cocos 2D app for, you know, which is built in Objective-C for iPhone 10 is for two reasons. One, because it's the path of least resistance. I don't have to rewrite the whole app to do it. And second of all, I like the challenge, right? I like the challenge of saying, okay, well, why doesn't this, why won't this fit on an iPhone 10? What 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 can I do to make it work, right? And and I, it took me a couple of nights and I figured it out and I'm happier for it. I had a good time doing it. So so I think that, that you know, trying different languages is good. I don't know, like, see, I don't know if, like, we, we, we get this at work from people, like, you know, they come in, they come in with some great idea. And a lot of times when you're looking at a large product, you know, a large team, it's like, um, I like the idea of React Native, but when, when 
when a when or React Native or or RX Swift, when somebody suggests it at a work, I would think, okay, that might be good in an isolated project, right? But because I think about the horror of trying to maintain that across a team, where you have developers coming from different skills, and I mean, it was trust me, the the transition to Swift was no cakewalk either, right? Because we had you know the whole it was around the time that you know Swift three had just come out, and there were all the quote unquote I'm doing air quotes breaking changes that people said, oh, stay that you know heck away from from Swift because of the you know it's it's oh my God it breaking changes breaking changes you know was a hue and cry but um, you know we kind of stuck with it and we worked our way through it and now you know everybody at work loves Swift you know <laughs> you know and we still have a large Objective C code base but the reality is is that you try you know you can't bringing in new ideas it, it kind of sort of has to be in large team it's it's kind of all or one or whatever or or like I said you can run it on satellite projects because Tammy you know I know a little bit about Unity too because I tried Unity as well right um, back in back in the early days I haven't tried it in the last couple of years but you know I was interested in in just Unity as a game development platform because there wasn't really one for iOS back in the day right until Apple came out with SpriteKit I have to encourage you to go back and try it again because much has changed yeah and, and I may I may yeah I mean I'm more, I'm more interested in 2D games than 3D games to be honest with you so and and I know Unity does support 2D games and I and I think of didn't we didn't no I guess I guess you're the book that Chris language did was mostly sprite kit right no it was all scene kit it was all 3d scene kit yeah 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 because yeah. that yeah that was using scene kit which is the 3d tool it's, it's funny you mentioned that because i i just had the thought again earlier this week that you know it, one of the decisions that i make or the choices that i i look at when deciding do i want to use sprite kit scene kit unity what do i want to use is is my game 2d and that's kind of like where i start i start with is it cross-platform and usually it's no but um the next question is, is it 2D or 3D? And if it's 2D, I tend to always gravitate towards SpriteKit. If it's 3D, I'll always gravitate toward Unity. It's kind of weird. Really? Yeah, it's weird, but that's 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 my thing. I'm so worried. where do you stand with SceneKit then? I have never really gotten into SceneKit. I mean, I think that that it's it's a great framework. I think that if you're an iOS developer or, or, or a Mac developer, it's, it's a great place to start, especially if you're intimidated by Unity. But it's not my thing. With with 3D, I'll always tend toward Unity. With 2D, Sprite Kit. Okay, cool. Interesting, that's right? A, you would think a, because because SceneKit is is very similar in structure to Sprite Kit. It's nearly identical. Yeah, yeah. So if you like to use Sprite Kit, it would make sense, I would think, to to also use SceneKit. But unless you you know Unity real well and can do a lot more with Unity, then make then I guess it makes sense to do to do that. And that's the funny thing. I don't know more about Unity than I do about the, the native Apple frameworks. I know more about Apple than I do about Unity. And yet I feel, I don't know if it's a perception thing, you know, because everyone is moving toward Unity, but I just feel like Unity is more powerful when it comes to 3D content and gaming. And mm-hmm. it, for me, it's never really been about the cross-platform. Obviously that plays into it. I mean, if if you know on the when you start a project that, yes, I want it to be cross-platform, Platform, then that's where you start. But SceneKit, it's always, it's going to sound terrible, but it's always been buggy for me. And I don't have a high tolerance for bullshit and bugging it. Yeah, it's funny that we were talking before the show about the difference between numbers, which we use for, for I use I use Excel for a lot of things and use numbers. And, and Mark and I both sort of commented that for all that numbers is a great 
you know, um, spreadsheet. And yeah, it comes free with most new Macs. Excel just had, like from the same perspective. I mean, it's been around since Adam was a boy, um, but um, it's got, it just seems to be able to handle more things better, you know. And I don't know if it's because we've always worked in Excel for this long, but like I was just trying to add up a column of, of numbers and I and I couldn't, you know, in, in the five or 10 minutes I gave numbers to sort of leap out at me and, and tell me how to do that, I just couldn't do it. Whereas, you know, in Excel, you just, if you can't find the, the epsilon symbol to do, select your cell, select your row and find the epsilon symbol to do what you need to do, you can just type in equals sum and then put your, your range of uh, rows and or columns and off you go, right? Look, I don't mean to throw so. a third uh, option into the mix here, but what do you think about Google Sheets? Because I've been mm. I've been doing a lot more on Google Drive, yeah. Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google, you know, whatever. What do you, what do you think of that? Well, I haven't used Google Sheets per se. I think I've used it maybe once. I use, I've used Google Drive, Google Docs, and I've used Google Forms a lot. So that's how I collected information for the last couple of articles I wrote. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really looked in it too much. I think, because I know I worked for one company two years ago that was using Google Sheets and, and you know, it was like, eh, it was like, it could be Excel, you know, yeah. it wasn't really blown away. So I think if you're, if you're doing collaborative stuff, the Google stuff is really good uh, where multiple, multiple people are looking at the same document and have to edit and, and work on it, uh, then it's great. But for just doing regular spreadsheet stuff, maybe it's just because I'm more used to it and I've been using it for, you know, has it been more, 20 more years old. now? Uh, off my lawn. <laughs> Get yeah, off my spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> Excel just seems to do more of the things that I need it to do less painfully. So, yeah. Let me ask you another thing. I've, I've got two computers that I primarily work off of. I've got the 15-inch and the 13-inch. I tend to use Google when I collaborate with myself, meaning that it's really convenient for me to, if I decide to, to get up and go somewhere and, and grab the 13-inch over the 15-inch, I can just, you know, bring up a web page and start doing my numbers or my docs or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's something that, that would... That, no, that, that makes complete sense. Total uh, sense. Yeah. yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. But, you know, but then there's, you know, the first time that that your network is laggy or down and, and you can't even add up a column of numbers because of that, then, and, and I, I guess, you know, I, I guess that there is some, uh, there is some native uh, uh, functionality to, to Sheets now, uh, much more than there used to be. So maybe this isn't as big of an issue, but, but, you know, I've, I've had situations where the network's been so bad that, that you just can't do anything. I mean, you can type a key and then wait with a spinning ball because waiting for the network and all that. And it's just, it's just, it's just a terrible experience when, when that happens. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on what you're trying to do, I guess. Depends on the why, as you said yeah. earlier. Depends on well, your I totally find the same thing. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I find the same thing too, because I, I don't, I don't, I mean, iOS, I always have my, an iOS device, you know, like in, in my pocket, if nowhere, if nowhere closer. Right. And I love, you know, things like notes, right. Where it's a simple note taking app. Um, I have it synced with my iCloud account. So it doesn't matter which device, you know, like the, even the podcast notes, I use, I update podcast notes on my phone all the time. And I know that as soon as I come back to my desk or you guys are looking at it, you guys are going to see the updated version. Right. Um, and say I use notes at work. I, I mean, I note notes on my phone and, and I, and I can tell you because my, my, my office computer, my work computer, cause we, you know, I work in a financial institution, everything's like locked down. Um, I don't get the benefit of, of that sort of collaborative with myself kind of thing. Like you guys are just saying, whereas at home, I love it. You know, I've never tried, I don't know if the sheets even work on the phone. Like I don't, I don't know if it does. Maybe it works on the iPad, but, um, cause like I said, I've only tried it. I've only used it once or twice and it was a few years ago, but you're talking about the web version of sheets or yeah, the, the Google 
sheets, yeah, sheets. Google Sheets. Or is it? Is there? there there's, is I guess there's an app Google version, Sheet. right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. They have an iOS app. Is there? Is there I guess there's not a Mac app, but there's like you use it in the browser on the Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all synced through your Google account. I take it, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we we all use we all use Google Google Docs all the time every week with with the podcast, right? So yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, Tammy, about the the collaborate with yourself thing for sure. I love everything. Have everything at my fingertips. Yeah, I, I find it perfect. You can take that out. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, so this is a quickie that I had in my in the notes from last week, and uh, we were just too busy talking about all the wonderful, you know, catch-up stuff that uh, we talked about. And this is just a quick one. And I think Jaime and I have been talking back and forth about issues we've been having restoring our phones from backup and that kind of stuff. And so there's Wait, Apple who has does been that? Hit. People do that? What? Restore their phones from backup? Yeah, no, no, no. Like if I'm moving from, from an old, like I was moving from my iPhone 6 to my iPhone 10. Yeah, right? don't you take that opportunity my... to like have... No, no, I'm not. I'm not a oh. perjurer. I, I'm not a perjurer. I have, I have everything I've ever, every photo I've ever taken on my iPhone is currently on my phone. Oh gosh! Yeah, See, my favorite thing is when I get a new device, I can be like fresh start, remove everything. People are like, "Did you get? Do you have yeah. that email from? Ten- no, I don't have that email from five seconds ago. I got a new phone, man. I got a new phone. <laughs> I'm uh, moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have and then, applications then I- on my Mac that are that have probably been there from from. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess they're not from the old PowerPC days. Because those oh were my goodness, who are but, you people? But certainly from the very first uh, <laughs> Intel-based Mac that I own, there's stuff from there for sure. I'd rather be looking at it than looking for it. Oh, That's just weird, man! Now this is the time you get to like refresh, reboot, restart. Yeah, that's true, and that, that that's there's you know that's your prerogative, Tammy. Is my but, mother used to Tammy, say. what if you need your stuff? Oh, I never need my yeah. stuff, and if I need my yeah. stuff, well, I'm out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I, I'm I'm a historian when it comes to, to yeah. archiving and, and keeping track of stuff. And I mean, I really, I, you know, what really irks me, Mark, I don't know if you remember this, but I guess about, you know, I guess, let's say almost 10 years ago, Apple changed the way that you search for things in Apple Mail and it just stopped working properly. Hmm. You know, yeah, I used to be able to find things in the finder. But um, yeah, and anyway, so coming back to the story that apparently there's been issues where people have had been getting this error 53 um, that the phone couldn't be restored, which is what the story is about Tammy, for those of us who do try and you know keep our stuff, um, and yeah, so they've been they've been hit with a nine million dollar fine in in Australian courts, I think it was. Yes, so yeah, just over this uh, this thing for misleading customers, which because what does it say this error fifty three is? Now I'm curious. Uh, bug affected a number of users last year. Error fifty three. You've deleted everything we need to prove that you're wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, the customer said that everything refused. To remedy, it's interesting in the in the uh, screenshot accompanying this article, which you can find the link for in the show notes. This uh, the iTunes alert modal that popped up. Do you recognize that style? What is that? That's like really old. That's yeah. like uh, is that Windows ten maybe? Or it, it, my first thought was it was a Windows style. Yes. Yeah, Windows X, XP or Windows. Uh, but what was the one? Vista. Now I yeah, gotta maybe. go find this link you're yeah. talking about. I guess it's iTunes running on Windows. I, yeah, yeah. I've that's Yeah. You 
guys. Oh, that's that looks old. Yeah. yeah. Get off my iPhone. Okay, so this is totally what I was talking about before because it, I'm looking at the thing here. It's Apple explained that in 2016 that Air 53 appeared when a customer had a home button replaced by a third party. The company would run security checks because the Touch ID module was different and the device would fail to check, which makes sense because the, the secure enclave and all the home the home sensor and all that kind of stuff are all tied together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this is. And, and, and I think, I don't know if I have an Air 53 specifically, but I was mentioning last year that, that or last summer when I was trying to update my phone, that if I used an encrypted backup, I couldn't restore because the hardware key that sign, that encrypts the, signs the encryption is different from one phone to the next, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to write, I had to save an unencrypted backup. Mind you, we had a, a lady, I forgot her name now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just reading all these comments and having a good old time. Which comments are those? Oh, the people Air below? Air 53 is not far removed from Area 42. <laughs> but isn't it? I thought it was Area 41. <laughs> uh, oh, Michelle Leonard, is that her? Isn't that Area 52? Oh, yeah, there's that too. Wait, now, see? Oh, my God. My tinfoil hat must be too tight. I can't remember. So now. Area 52 is even closer to, to uh Wait, Area isn't it? Wait, is it Area 50? No, it's Area 51. Area 51. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's These are numbers. Wait. This is math. Are we mixing metaphors Wait. again? Probably, yeah. So it's Area 51. What's Area 42? That's from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide somewhere. 42? No, I thought 43 was the answer to the universe. No, no 42. 42. Nine times, nine, seven times six, right? Yep. That's the ultimate question. Although 43 is a prime number, you'd think that would be the solution. Mm. I only know prime colors. I don't know prime numbers. So do you know why 73 is Sheldon's favorite number? Because you can divide it by 42 evenly. Hang on, I gotta look up, I gotta look up the answer. <laughs> I'm not reaching or guessing at all. On those math skills, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's part of my natural charm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I'm so according to according to Sheldon, <laughs> 73 is the 21st prime number. What? Its mirror 37 is the 12th prime number, and its its mirror 21 is the product of multiplying seven times three. All right, look, I and in binary, wait for it. In binary, 73 is a palindrome. Okay. It's okay. One zero zero one zero zero one. I know what a palindrome is, and I hate to admit this, but I, when it comes to math and numbers, and did I say math? I'm really ignorant. Can can one of you explain to me what this? Gosh, this is so embarrassing. Can can you please explain to me what a prime number is? A prime a prime number. Yes, a prime number I'm is sorry. a number. Wait 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 wait. A prime number is a number that cannot be divided by any other number other than itself and one. <laughs> I could divide any number. No no. I mean like like even give me a, give me a, a three is a prime number right right because nothing oh because no, there's like pr- remainders and stuff right yeah exactly you can't in whole <laughs> is number that so math, not a you, teenager remark because it's like remainders <laughs> and stuff you know what an integer is right that's a whole number right <laughs> yeah yeah okay. these are negative I, see positive, and I only right? know so, that from programming how funny is that I only know that so, an so let me ask, so let me ask you this because, question go ahead ask so what what times what <laughs> equals three what one what, times what two three equals can, three. Okay, but nothing else, right? You can't two times something doesn't equal three. Can I do like 1.5 times two equals three? No, no, it has to be integers, whole numbers, right? Oh. Okay, so three is Aren't a prime number. Five is 1. also. 1.5 and 1.5 is three. Can we just yeah, like five is appreciate also a prime that? number, <laughs> Tammy. Five is a prime number, right? Because it can't be divided by itself. Well, and it can be divided by itself, but it can't, nothing else, it, it can't be the product of any other two number, integers, oh, right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. This is why I don't matter. And then the next prime number is, I'm I telling believe, you, 11, it, right, Mark? I had a traumatic experience in ninth grade with a math test. And ever since I'm then, helping I can't you do here math. with your, your math, right? Mat- so Mateus explained so- it to me. There's like this whole, oh, I wish you were here. There's this whole thing where like you're afraid of math because of, of you have to talk to him. So let me tell you my story, my horror story about math, okay? So when I was seven, I had chicken pox. So I had to take a week off of school, right? And in that week, they learned how to do basic multiplication. So when I came back to school on the Monday or whatever it was that I came back to school, I looked at something on the on that said three two x three, and I had no idea what the x meant, right? So I went to the teacher at the front of the class and said, "I don't know what this means." And she said, "Class, Tim doesn't know what this is." And the whole class went two times three is six. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I, I said to myself, three, like, right? okay, okay, then then I thought well, I just thought it was just another way of writing plus, right? Because it, it didn't make sense to me. What I think it was two times two probably uh, was the was the actual test question. Um, and then, so from that point on in my life, I've had a mental block about multiplication, right? And it's taken me years to to I still stop and think for, to myself when I when I just hear two numbers that need to multiple multiply together, right? So that's my mental block about math, and it all goes back to those chicken pox I had in grade 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 two when I was seven years old. Hmm. What's your story, Tammy? My story is I was in ninth grade. I was already yeah. labeled as useless and will never amount to anything. And we were taking a math test. And it's funny that I don't remember much of my childhood, but this I remember vividly. We were taking a math test. And I remember that while I was staring down at, at my desk at the page and the, and the questions, everything started to move. And like the, the stuff on the page moved and, the, and then the whole world started to move around me. And I went out and I said, I need to take a break. I don't know what's going on. I went outside. I went to go get a drink at the water fountain, which happened to be like right outside the door. I went to get to that water fountain to take a drink. And the next thing I knew, I was sliding down the wall and I woke up in the nurse's office. And what had happened was that was my first incident with a blood sugar drop. And it was rapid. Ah. And ever since then, like, you know, because of course, at the time they were like, oh, well, clearly she's stoned out of her mind or on drugs or, you know, having a psychotic break or whatever they totally thought. Totally for sure. Yeah. But it turned out that it was just a sugar episode. And ever since then, I, it's crazy. I have to pin my inability or reluctance to math on that one. I've got to hang my hat on that thing. Yeah. No, it's totally, it's one, one incident in your life can, can, and this is why what's happening. I got to say this for a minute, but what's happening in the States with these kids being separated from the parents is going to scar them for life. Yeah. That's yeah, my soapbox. Is, yeah. So what's your horror story about math, Mark? I like math. <laughs> I've got no horror stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they say one out of every three people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One out of every three people likes math. <laughs> I like math too. Don't get me wrong. I used to love algebra and calculus and, and functions and relations. And I'm sorry that I lost those skills because I, I just haven't practiced it. But yeah, but I'm telling you, like just even saying six times seven a few minutes ago, I had to stop and go, is that really 42, Tim? Are you sure about that? You know? What I like <laughs> is that you know, as developers and programmers and, and creatives, we've got the ability to go beyond our inability of being able to math and still create amazing mm. things. Like sure. I, I never would have imagined sitting at in, I guess it was ninth or eighth grade or whatever that was sitting in that classroom thinking, gosh, one day I'll be a programmer and I'll, I'll need this information. Like that's not even true. Like today I can read a framework, figure it out and not have to 
to know how to math to create some cool stuff. So there, there's a good there's a good class on Udemy by Dev Slopes. They do Udemy, uh, however you Udemy, U- Udemy, Udemy, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's by Dev Slopes. They've got 2D, 3D, all sorts of Unity stuff. It does get repetitive because there are different instructors and there's some overlapping stuff and they're teaching you some other stuff. But it's it's totally worth it and the price is good. And if you're looking to jump into Unity on 2D and 3D, it is it's a massive course. There's there's probably no question that you have that will go unanswered. And how much is this course? Yeah, you know, you tell me it's always ten dollars eventually. Oh, is it really? Eventually, yeah. No, just wait. What? So, so Tammy, what's your pick for this week? I put. Hang on, I put. It. Oh, I know. I just, you, you you missed my. That was your segue. Oh, my that. pick this week is the class on your demi. Oh, wish it. I curse. My pick this Whoops. week. Oh, forget it. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, never mind. All right, let's move on. Like, shall we? Because this is way more than just code. Um, which is why people come here, I guess. Oh, it's funny. So I was telling you before the show that my friend was telling us about what well, I was asking him about how he catches up on past episodes because he's he's a few episodes behind and, and does that worry him but he sort of said as he says you guys are going to go down like I said the, the one thing that's going to come out of all this more than just code podcasting you guys are do is that people are going to start saying for those of you driving at home more often mm. <laughs> anyway um, so we a while ago we talked about uh, Monument Valley when they when they I think after their first year or second year they introduced yeah well, they've got here in the link uh, first year and second year they introduced uh, an infographic which talked about their um, you know how much money they basically put into bu- building the app and I'm not sure if it tells how much really got out of it but sort of what's involved in, in doing that and so their latest uh, effort is called Mon- Monument Valley 2 which unfortunately I haven't bought yet um, but they go through yeah they've got their official sales uh, number here the all-time revenue um, sales by platform because they're on iOS or on Amazon they're sorry they're on iOS and Google and Amazon uh, I guess they're selling both of those products there and um, you know how much they made in one day they show the the the, the typical we all seen it we've all seen this before the typical iPad or I, iOS launch um, chart you know it shoots up real quick and then it kind of just peters down and then just sort of slowly drives along over time right and um, so it's a really interesting thing here um, I was chatting with uh, Joe Triplinski on the show on on Twitter the other day because he also talked about this particular thing and and uh, interesting to note that even though they've spent 2.25 million um, on development costs they also spent five hundred thousand dollars or a little bit more than five hundred thousand dollars on marketing and you know that because you know I've always sort of maintained that marketing is is a huge part of of any kind of promotion of any product doesn't matter whether it's iOS or whatever and you know the whole idea that we talked about back in 2010 and 2011 you have build they will come has always been sort of a myth and we've talked about that on the show a number of times so I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at these numbers or have any opinions on them at all or even remember the conversation we had a couple of years ago that actually sounds kind of low in terms of, of their spend on marketing yeah 500k if they spent 20 how much was it 20 million on on development? Uh, 2 million 2 million oh 2 million oh oh 2 million oh, okay then that's yeah far. That's yeah, not yeah. Bad. no not 20 yeah. million yeah. yeah no that would be phenomenal right no yeah. i spent uh sorry i miss i was misstated it i guess yeah 2.2 million mm-hmm. 2.259 million it's at the yeah. bottom of the thing mm-hmm. yeah they have 16 16 people on the team you know they spent 70 weeks 70 weeks building an app like that's a lot of time to mind you they were i guess they were working on the the uh the revenues they were making from the, the original build right the original um app so yeah just you know if people want to know what what's involved people ask me all the time on they 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 find our articles on uh on the websites you know because we, we 
we post our, our some of our uh, episode show notes and they see that we talk about the cost of apps over this last you know three years or four years that we've been doing the show we've been talked about this a number of times um, this is how to make a successful you know app but I mean of course you know Monument Valley, Monument Valley not only is it a, is a, a well built app but it's also a phenomenal app in terms of how it's, it's concept and things like that right so I think that's part that's a huge part of why they get the sales that they do right it's got that sort of twisty perspective and, and dreamlike quality to it yeah it's a cool app yeah for sure a lot of downloads in China it's amazing more than way more than uh, than the US look at that that's kind of what we because we, we talked about that before like you know we talk about Canada's population being I think we're 30 million or so roughly mm-hmm. US is 300 or so right Mark roughly yep. yeah and then China is three is 10 times that right so if you look oh, at I'm this chart here 3 billion at this point but certainly a billion and a half maybe China yeah it's bigger I yeah, mean the, yeah. I think the market the market is like For yeah, sure. maybe not 10 times but it's bigger <laughs> a lot bigger yeah. but it's interesting to hear that if you look at the chart that uh, 16% of their purchases were in uh, the United States whereas 30, 62% were in China mm-hmm. Canada is a measly 1.5% so I guess I better order my copy soon right <laughs> yeah cool stuff all right no, no other comments on Monument Valley I think oh. it's built in Unity Timmy is it really I think so yeah if you look at their you have to have the app on your phone I haven't I checked have Mon- out the second one I played the first one that's what it is yeah but I never I don't know it just it kind of wasn't my thing <laughs> too mathematical <laughs> yeah probably like the Rubik's Cube <laughs> Yeah, I'm picking Which on you apparently now, my children who can solve it in like 15 seconds tell me that solving the Rubik's cube has nothing to do with math. Oh, do you know what I saw something the other day about about the, the a thing on Pinterest on how to solve the Rubik's cube? I never knew this trick. There's a trick to it. I, maybe I don't know. My my both my sons and my husband can solve a Rubik's cube, all sorts of different cubes in like less than 15 seconds. And I, yeah. I'm in my approaching 50s, and I have yet to solve a single simple okay so so can i tell you what spoilers people on the phone or whatever um this is what i heard the other day i haven't had i don't have rubik's cube to try it but apparently the, the first step is to make a cross on the top surface right yes and then make the four corners match yes and then they're, they're called Perfect. algorithms and then the, no yeah but I'm, what i'm saying is that's the first thing first pattern most people try and match all the colors and like oh, let me match all the colors on the one side whatever no but apparently you make the cross first and then you match the corners and then I forget what you do for the middle part. I think you match the middle layer and then the bottom is for the middle the part. I pass a lot. Just saying. Do you? <laughs> well, but my point is like, it, it's kind of like a six step process, right? It's not like, it's not super complicated to solve. Once you know this sort of secret. No, and, I, and I, you I, do things like they'll be like flipping these things. And oh, like, darn it. I made a mistake. I've got to start over. I'm like, what do you mean you got to start do? over? Yeah. My kids, yeah. I don't understand the whole starting over process. Like you had it mixed. It's still mixed. Keep going. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, well, it's, here's it, the thing. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the sidekick is... Oh, guess what? I don't have a pick. Crap. I have a pick. I put a pick in there. Did you? I did. did you pick? Step into Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night and Stay a While. My mom sent me this... Well, she didn't send it to me. She posted it on Facebook. But oh, it was this thing it. where it, it's Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night. Oh, And yeah. you step into a 3D experience. And at first I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to like not tap into it, but swipe back and forth on my Facebook feed and take a look and I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. So I tapped into it and yeah. like music came up and I was like flying through this this Starry Starry Night scene. And I'm yeah. I'm a huge fan of Vincent Van Gogh and I realize that this is a tech podcast. Don't you mean Vincent Van Gogh? <laughs> yeah, that guy. The guy who cut <laughs> off his ear. So, yeah, so yeah. 
I'm flying through this scene and I'm like, oh, this is, this is really good. They got music. So yeah, I, while I realize this is a tech podcast and mm-hmm. Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night may not be the most technical thing to pick. Uh, I, guess- I, I have two questions for you. One, first of all, I clicked on it a while ago. I'm still waiting. Second of all, does it require flash? No, no, no. It's a, it's no. a, it's that Facebook 360 thing with the Oculus oh, Go. But does it, oh, do you have to have an Oculus Go or? No, you should just be able to like pan back and forth and fly through the scene. And, and how long does it take to load? I don't know. It's that Canadian internet you have. <laughs> it, it could be your, it could be your, uh, Captain Blocker blocking it, Tim. Oh, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Your moose is like, no. My moose. Oh, you know what I saw on the road the other day? A flying moose. Like, it was a moose in the air, and it had wings. See, now that's so Canadian. <laughs> I know, eh? <laughs> it's kind of kitschy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm giving up on this thing. It's not loading for me. Oh, really? Yeah, come back to it. You can you can describe it. I'm sure you can describe it for the audience out there. Just don't use math and stuff when you explain it. Uh, see, it loaded right up for me. All right, so yeah. the, it's this. Facebook 360 thing. Wait, now it's going to play in my ear and I'm like, yeah, this little thing on. Okay, so what is this Facebook 360 thing? That's, I guess that's the, the, the thing I want to know about now. It, it's, no. Mark can probably describe it better than I can because he's totally way smarter than I am. But yeah. my feeble attempt at describing it is y- you step in, you take a picture. Imagine taking a picture with your phone. I don't know how this works. I've never, Greg yeah. Keogh could probably answer this. But if you yeah. take a picture of your phone, you know how you do that panoramic thing and you've got that yeah, one. Yeah, sure. Well, imagine if you can spin oh, around yeah, I've like done Michonne, lots of that stuff. Yeah. right? Yeah. From The Walking Dead. If you can spin around like Michonne from The Walking Dead, that's your that's your 360 photo. So this thing with Vincent Van Gogh and Starry Starry Night, first of all, like I said, I love Vincent Van Gogh. I think he's he was an absolute genius, uh, trapped in his own mind. But mm-hmm. to be able to walk through, virtually walk through his painting and kind of like get yourself immersed in it was really fantastic. There is, and I'll have to get you a link, Tim. But there's another pick. It's oh, you know what it says video. right here. It says it says 360 videos are not available on this browser. Let me go to Chrome because don't forget I gave up on on Flash a little while ago. Hang on, let me let me find Vincent the movie. Loving it's Vincent, that's evil. the name. Evil. Hmm? Loving. There's also the song. So my pick is the song by Don McLean called Starry Starry Night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got the theme, but it's not called Starry Starry Night. It's actually called Vincent. It's called. Oh, is it called Vincent? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let me try another video here. I'm, I switched over to Chrome, so maybe maybe my problem because because actually the oh it wants me to log in now. No, I don't want to log in now. I, I put my, I put my other free. pick as Loving Vincent. It's it's oh, a movie. On, something's loading. Where his paintings kind of take center stage. Yeah. And if you love art. Okay. So, so Tammy, hello, yes. Tammy. Okay. So, um, remember I, I, we were talking earlier about our friend of the, our common friend, Mike Daly. Do you remember Mike Daly? I do. He was one of the people in the Ray Wonderlic team. Um, he did some stuff back in the day. He did a presentation at, um, Voices That Matter, I think. And he talked about making a skybox. Have you heard of a skybox? Yeah. You know where a skybox is? I do. What is it? It's kind of when you take a, a figure, like if you're wrapping a box with something and you need to take the four, five, six, or whatever sides there are and six, peel yeah, them yeah. apart and lay them down. That's kind of like a, you're, you're laying out your environment, your skybox there. The six That's the sides. image. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're in the game though, right, you, the skybox is, is off in the horizon. And so like, if you have a star field, like if you're out in space, right. Or if you're in a mountain. So, so these are kind of like skyboxes, I guess, like they're 3d, 3d environments you get in. You can never actually reach the end of the earth as it were, but you can move around in it and you can, as you tilt your camera around, you can 
can sort of panoramically see around it, right? That's kind of what a skybox is, right? Yeah, she's doing it with her phone on the in the example. Yeah, I've made some of these before. I should show them to you. Yeah, but ha- have you looked at the Starry Starry Night one? No, because I can't get it to load. <sighs> That's that's a whole nother story, but yeah, I'll look at it later. Mark, are you looking at it? No, I'm just trying to figure out what this weird pop-up I just got on my computer is saying. Some Motorola phone was trying to connect. Here's a my- link. Now you have a virus. Sorry. Yeah, no, this is kind of a weird thing. It was uh, the refactor authentication just popped up on my machine out of nowhere for some phone I've never heard of, huh. which is a little, little disturbing. I'm not sure what that's all about. Is it like maybe a neighbor's got a phone and they're just playing around with it? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't, uh, I didn't hit OK. Okay, so probably it's probably fine, but that was. Oh, weird. by the way, that lady I was looking for. What's her name? It just went by here. Kelly H. Wilkerson, I think that's her. Yes, Decipher Media. We were talking about iPhones and Era 53. So Kelly H. Wilkerson was the one that sent me the links about this service they have for getting into phones that are locked out. I wonder what she has to say about Era 53. We'll wait to see. If you want me to log into this thing, okay, log into Chrome. It, it, it's it's really cool. Okay, I'm gonna go look at it right now. Have to find your link in the show notes. And I, I know I know this. This is a tech podcast, but it's kind of tech. I mean, think about what has to go into making that work, not only on your phone, but on your computer. Mm-hmm. And but it doesn't work on mine. Well, it will if you have a real browser. <laughs> if I were only a real boy, says Pinocchio. Now, in addition to that that 360 view, what I was saying, my, my other pick, and again, I know this is a tech podcast, but I think from a technical standpoint, this is really incredible work, but there was a movie that came out in, I think it was 2017, Loving Vincent, that was sort of, it, it was done in a way that I've never seen before. I mean, uh, the cinematics were, were breathtaking and incredible, and they took they took the artist, Vincent Van Gogh, and they put his work into this story, and just, I, I was blown away, really. So it's not about him, it's not like a biography about him? It, it's kind of about him, but it's more about, the, the telling of the story is done through his work, and right. it's... It's kind of I don't I don't know the technical stuff behind it, but mm-hmm. visually it's breathtaking. I don't have any other words. So, do you know the story of Vincent Van Gogh's life? Um, not to the degree that I should know it as an artist, but okay. enough that I, I'm probably not going to cut off my own ear. No. So um, basically, he was he was always wanted to be a painter, and he was sponsored by his brother Theodore. I think think of Theodore. So a lot of the stories, a lot of things we know about Vincent were through his letters that he wrote to his brother and um so that's kind of how and and he was i went to when carol and i went down to uh france we went to paris one year in 2004 i think we went down to ile sur la sorgue which is where near where a lot of painters like um cezanne and and uh vincent van gogh painted and i went to we went to the city where he painted starry starry night and where we were staying we went to we also went to the asylum where he was where he was he was committed you know because they thought he was nuts and where he did a lot of the paintings that he did of the people that that were in his area, right? So, and he was at a, a sort of forefront where um, art was moving away from representation because of I think because the camera had come along and was it was now able to outdo what you know you could do with with painting in terms of telling a story. So it became more about the um, self expression using paint, right? And and then eventually got to the point where it got really abstract in the fifties, where it was about putting paint on the canvas kind of thing, right? But so he was 
sort of at that sort of forefront of expression and and that kind of stuff. And that's why his paint his his work is seen as as significant because it's like very expressive in terms of uh, how he you know put paint on the canvas kind of thing, right? But his whole struggles were were that. There's a I don't know if it's a great movie, but there was a movie called Lust for Life. I don't know if it's been remade. Let's have a quick look. But it started Kurt Douglas. You know Michael Douglas's father. You know who Kirk Douglas is, Timmy. Yeah, but this is why I don't play Trivial Pursuit with you. Just saying. <laughs> no, you never you never play with me. So the book is called Lust for Life. If you ever want to read his story, but they made Lust for Life into a movie. So Lust for Life. It's also an album by Lana Del Rey. It, what do you know? Vincent was a tortured soul. Oh, so it's a book by Irving Stone. I remember reading it. Um, so yeah, so my pick is going to be Lust for Life by Irving Stone. If you want to find out about more about Vincent Van Gogh's life, I had to read it in university. And um, yeah, and of course there's the movie. Uh, and again, it's a 1956 movie, so you got to take it with a huge grain of salt. But it stars Kurt Douglas as Vincent, as Vincent, and uh, yeah, his sort of struggles with uh, being painter and you know going nuts and stuff like that. So, and they say that they so they say he cut off his ear because he was in love with a girl or because he was he was nuts, right? Or but but I also heard too that that um, they think he had tinnitus. You know what tinnitus is, right? Yeah, yeah. Ringing in your ear. Yeah. My younger son has that. Yeah, I have a bit of it too from hanging around servers and stuff. Apparently, my husband hear. has it too. But all this time until our mm-hmm. son got diagnosed, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this on air. He thought it was spidey senses. <laughs> the spidey. You know, I remember hearing like ringing in my ear when I was in, in grade one or two and thinking, "Hey, it's some sort of neat ability that I have." Right. One of our one of our friends on the Ray Winerlich team wrote an uh, an app for testing for tinnitus too. Right. Ear test. What was it called? I used to have it on my phone. He's, he just walked in the room. He's shrugging. He's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Who, Bill? What? Are you talking about my Hey, Bill, how's it going? <laughs> Tell Bill we say hi. Everyone says hi, Bill. Yeah. How's it going, Bill? Hey, now. All right. So I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Mark, if you want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, wherever they look or how they do it. at smapsoft.com. All righty. And Tammy, if people want to get in touch with you. Paradox927 on Twitter. All right. And I'm, as usual, I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is the way to get a hold of me. And I guess that's it. We'll say bye-bye until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs> See ya. See this is Brenda the Show Jonathan. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.
showed up there with hey now. Wouldn't be ya, huh? <laughs> I said see ya, hey now. <laughs> <laughs> see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah, we can make like the baby and head out. Hmm? And Bill wants to tell his story about why he thought his tinnitus was spidey sense. Well, come on over to the come microphone. Here. Come we over got to time. the microphone. Yeah, no, right now. You, you open your mouth. Your, you can, you're gonna have to. You share your headphone come with uh, with your husband there. Come here. Say hi to Mark. You know Tim. Or just give me your headphones. Here. I can't hear, but he can hear talking there. Hey, fellas. All right. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Okay, I can hear you. Okay, so let, you let cool. me set the scene for you. Okay. Sure. Here, okay. Here I am in Florida. Right. Six years old. Uh, Florida was an awesome habitat to grow up in. But anyway, so the first time tinnitus hits me, my ears start ringing just a little, a little bit, and I open the front door, and what do I see? But a large ghost crab. And th- this crab, this crab was like a foot across. It was gigantic. So being wow. a, being a Spider-Man fan at six years old, I honestly thought the ringing in my ears was to alert me of the danger. <laughs> well, I was telling Tammy a minute ago that I had the same sort of thing. I remember being in school and hearing sort of a, a, the ringing in my ear and wondering what that was. And I never really thought to mention to anybody, right? You I, know? I just happened to have the incident to match it up with. And, uh, you know, of course, I grew out of it. I don't still believe that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you grew out of it, but you didn't grow out of the tinnitus, though. No, no, I still get it a little bit. And it's only about five or six seconds. Yeah? Yeah, that's about Well, you know what? Mine is constant. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, and it's louder in one ear than the other, yeah. So if I'm up at the cottage when there's, like, no sound, all I hear is the ringing ringing in my ear. Oh, no, I get, like, a five-second episode a week, maybe. Oh, yeah? Well, your brain tunes it out, like, uh, you know, so I don't even know about it until I stop and think about it, right? So Gotcha. And I apologize to people on the podcast if, you know, because I edit the podcast, if I'm not hearing, I'm, you know, that basically means I'm deaf to certain tones. So if they're in the the, the audio track, I apologize, but there's nothing I can do about it (laughs) because I don't even hear it. Well, let me give you all back to Tammy. All right. Thanks. See you later. That's his cue for, I need you out of the bedroom so I can go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm surprised you're you're even allowed to record in the bedroom. I know. uh, Thank you guys for recording. Sorry, I'm surprised you're allowed to record in the studio, yes. Right. But thank you guys for recording earlier and and allowing me to actually use my real mic as opposed to my mic out there that's just That's true. Yeah, so much better this week. Yeah. Because here, well, here's the thing. So what I did last couple of weeks ago, Jonathan and I were talking, and and I had I had tongue fir- firmly planted in cheek, named Spotcast more than just Star Trek podcast, like mm-hmm. on my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And he sort of said, "What's the what's with the new title? More than just you know Spock, uh, uh, Star Trek?" And well, because I mean, Spotcast doesn't say, say much, and and people may get turned off by the fact that it only seems to cover um, Star Trek or or at least Discovery. At least that's what it says on the tin, right? So. Um, he suggested that I, re- and I did this, he suggested that I register more than just podcasts.com oh, and use that as, as, yeah. a, as an umbrella for all of our efforts because yeah. we, we can't, we're not getting picked up by anybody, so we might as well syndicate ourselves, right? Yeah, actually. It's an interesting idea. So, huh? It's an interesting idea. And then, you know, in theory, we could get other podcasts under our umbrella. Yeah. By the way, can you move closer to your mic or something? Uh, Or is your recording from the right source? Um, Uh, Yeah, no, totally. My microphone is unplugged. Oh. Is that better? That's much better, yeah. Okay, yep. No, I mean, so so exactly. So, um, and the idea would be as Jonathan was saying, was it wouldn't be that we would necessarily um, produce or edit their shows. We would take them under our wing and 
So you're you talking know, like a five by five type setup? Yeah, yeah. Or or in in incomparable or whatever that other one's called. You know. The All one, right. The so no Jason's. making fun of me and no throwing it back in my face, Tim. But I was out doing the yard work just this past week, and I was thinking to myself because I vaguely remember having a conversation with you about this idea, like the five by five. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, like you know, if Tim went off and did some sort of something and was like, hey, I'm doing this big thing, and I want you to like leave everything behind and let me yeah. take over and you just like do shit that I need to do. I would be <laughs> so totally So you were dreaming clearly, right? <laughs> I was totally dreaming, but I was like, you know, if Tim wanted to be the big boss and just have me do like whatever he needs, I'd be totally cool dance, with it because yeah. I'm so tired of like the hustle. <laughs> the, the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Old. I know what you mean. Yeah. In other words, Tim, you do all the work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Thank you for distilling that down to what I mean. <laughs> When I'm out mowing the lawn and dreaming, I do it too, Tammy. Um, <laughs> Wait, you dream or mow the lawn? Because I don't know about I'm both, either one both. of them. I have a smaller lawn than you, so my dreams aren't quite as long as yours are. <laughs> See, now now I will not be able to focus on this podcast because I'm off thinking about this whole supervillain universe with like these people who are trying to solve the coding problems of the world, and yet they're being attacked by these other guys who can like spin webs and do all sorts. I'm not going to be able but to we, focus. We, yeah, so we're we're basically forming our own our own Justice uh, League. Hive, <laughs> hive of scum and villainy ourselves, right? We're, we're yeah. It's the podcast yeah. Justice League. Go get that. It's the Rebel you. Alliance. We're the Rebel Alliance, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. You see, this yourself. this is the problem that I run into, uh, you know, just trying all these different things. Uh, essentially, I am the woman who throws boxes of spaghetti at the wall waiting for something yeah. to stick, right? Mm -hmm. And so far, things have sort of stuck, but eventually slide down the wall for lack of attention. And the reason there's no attention to it is because either I don't have the time to put toward it because I'm busy trying to make money to feed the family or the people with whom that I partner with don't have the time to put for, right. it for the same reason and it's like how do you how do you find that balance between being able to do that thing that you want to do and putting food on the table. So I do, I do have an answer for that, and Mark probably does too. But and and mine comes from this this group of entrepreneurs that I joined back, you know, umpteen years ago, ten years ago, called Strategic Coach. And the idea was you go through this program and you learn what your unique ability is, or what your unique unique skill is, what what it is that gets you up in the morning, what it is that people come to you for, the, you know, the, your why. Why do people come to you for the thing that you do, right? And you kind of focus in on what that is, and then so all that other stuff like making sure the spaghetti doesn't fall off the wall, you delegate that to somebody else, right? So in my case, my fir the first lesson I learned from that was was I, I, you know, I would spend probably two or three days just on the accounting and making sure every, all the books balanced and whatever. And it, I enjoyed it, but I hated it, right? So the first thing I did was a friend of mine recommended a, an accountant to me who does, he does all my billing and all my accounting. And, and the the fact of the matter is is I've offloaded all that kind of activity to him. So I just sent him an email once a month saying here invoice these people and he he does that and then we have a couple of automatic invoices that get done. So that's an ex example of how you get that thing done by delegating it off to someone else. And what I was saying to you the other day, Tammy on Slack was you know you were complaining about editing the podcast and I complain about editing the podcast. And so the 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 thing is we both don't. I mean, part of me likes it, but but it's drudgery, right? So oh, it's awful. The thing would be to do find a find a student that's in broadcasting that needs to have you know um, credits towards his efforts like and could come work for us you know 
Not even that. Yeah, for, well, you can even mentor, like, okay, let me show you how to use this software. Let me show you. For credibility, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys heard, but one of the, one of the outros I did was a, a kid named Jonathan. He lives across the street from me, and he's got cerebral palsy, right? And and he's, like, in a wheelchair. He can. His dad actually talked about him on the podcast episode saying, you know, like the, the iPad was the thing that brought him to life kind of thing, right? Anyway, he's at Humber College right now. He's in this program right now where, you know, he's 18 years old or 19 years old, and but he loves Broadcasting. He loves making videos. He'll, he's made his own sort of videos and stuff like that. So I said to his dad, walking the dog one day, why don't I just give you the script for the outro and have John read it, right? Because then, first of all, we get a free outro. It sounds kind of interesting. And he gets credit in his class for doing it. Mm. Is right? that so, is that the robotic outro voice that I heard? On- no, no, that's the Macintosh one. That was last week's was... The, was- so so what was that? Because I, I heard that and I'm like, what? what? Is that Was that just for that <laughs> show or did you do that for... Is that like the new thing? No, no, no. I... I so, uh, we we were talking about the talking moose at one point, right? And the talking moose is, was a, it was an, an um, I don't know framework or whatever in classic called Macintalk, right? And it sounded like the way it the voice sounded, it sounded like a Canadian. So they used to call it the talking moose, eh? And um, so anyway, I used that for one outro. But yeah, no, Jonathan Jonathan read, you know, hey, this is Jonathan. He didn't say friend of the show or anything like that. And he read our whole, you know, po- you know, Pinterest thing and what. But it's, he sounds very broadcasty because he's been studying this, right? But anyway, coming back to like, how do we get that done? And, and Mark, maybe you can give your answer. But my, my answer is, is we find some people that, that need the credit, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's, whether it's cash incentive or, you know, they're a student and they need to, they need like, cause the old age old thing, how do you get a job in broadcasting when they want experienced people? Well, if you don't get experience unless somebody gives you an opportunity, right? What's your answer, Mark? Um, this is lame. No, I'm just kidding. What, what was the question? <laughs> the question was, how does she get, how does she get? No, young, how do I, you know, how do, how do, how do people? Well, how do, how do we? So, so yeah. I was yeah. going to talk about my experience with Mapsoft, actually. So, okay, sure. my my theory behind Mapsoft when I started it was I'm going to write a bunch of apps and build a portfolio of apps, and each one, each one may not make all that much money on its own, but the combined some of them can add up to be a comfortable living. Yeah, and I was on the way to doing that. I mean, I know we've had lots of discussions about the the misery of of indie development, but I but I got to say, you know, I was actually in in decent shape. I wasn't. In great shape, but I was in decent shape yeah. until I got to the point where I had so many apps that I always had to be maintained <laughs> oh. and I couldn't keep up anymore. So I couldn't be developing new ones and maintaining the old ones and, and it just got too big for one person. So yeah. if I had had like three or four of me, I might have been able to do it. Right. So so my point was that was going to be that, well, you can't, you kind of can't do it on your own, but if you have a team, you kind of build some critical mass. Like sure. if we built, so the, I mean, the reason Ray Wunderlich can do this is not because he's writing the, the tutorials. He's not right he has other people on the team writing the tutorials and and there's there's enough people that the work can spread around and you get a multiplicative effect yeah and it, and it works so so my point was going to be that well if it's just one of us throwing spaghetti at a wall the spaghetti is likely to to uh even slip if it's five of us throwing different spaghetti right well so if i'm throwing spaghetti at the wall and then i gotta go walk the dog well that spaghetti's sliding off the wall while i'm walking the yeah. dog even though i don't have a dog yeah. but but it is so so if i can if i can go walk the dog while you're holding that spaghetti up and maybe adding some more spaghetti and then you go walk your dog and Tammy starts adding her own spaghetti and then she goes and walks her dog and I'm back from walking my dog and, and adding more spaghetti, then it can work. Yeah. 
It's a lot of spaghetti, I know. And yeah, a pretty no, messy I'm going to show you, uh, part of what the whole coaching thing that I went through was to try and build up your company. When I when I did the first app in 2010 for uh, Two for Couples, I mean, we had a whole team of people writing the stuff. I mean, that wasn't, the, the customer brought that. They had people writing and taking pictures and doing articles and stuff like that. I had my, my uh, nephew, Alec, who was still in school. I had hired a guy from Ca- in Calgary to do the heavy lifting and, and the, you know, the heavy lifting on the code, right? And so I didn't build that app by myself. I had a bunch of people working it. And like you, Mark, in 2013 and 14, I was actually making a decent living and yeah, paying yeah. all these guys to yeah. do to build these apps, right? You know, Mark and I did, like, you know, bits of it. We probably walked away with, I don't know, we made a living. We, we you know, we paid our mortgages and whatever that year, right? The point is, like, you, I couldn't have built that app by myself, yep. right? And she couldn't have built that app by herself, Diane, right? So... You know, I'm I'm running with the whole more than just podcasts theme. Yeah, it shouldn't be just podcasts. It, oh, it more than be just other yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, if right, we, we yeah, have, yeah, hats we have, and t-shirts. Yeah. Well, and this website, Apps. this technical blog. You know, oh yeah, that's the more than just podcast site. Uh, then you know, we get people who are reading the the uh, the tutorial or whatever it is or the blog, and they say, oh, there's yeah. a podcast for this this awesome content, and they'll listen <laughs> to the podcast. And the people yeah. who listen to the podcast will go and read the blog. I mean, it, it's you know. More Multimedia. Yeah, I was talking to a guy at work today, and he's been listening to the show for a long time. And I sort of said, like, have you heard, like, what episode are you at? He's like, I'm at around 196 or so. And I said, well, don't you find that if you wait too long, like, like you know, weeks or a month or a month and a half or whatever it is, how far behind he is, don't you find that the stories are old by that time? And he says, no, because the value you guys add is you, you you remind me of things that I may not have had time to look at or, or what have you. He says, if it's a story that's breaking about such and such and so on, I probably already know about it all already anyway yeah. right? but plus, said plus all the talk about 70s rock bands i mean yeah that's, you know, that's, that's 40 gotta years have old. value <laughs> gotta, well that's how we spun off and did and did uh did spotcast jaime wanted jaime wanted to focus on on that and we we don't talk about we talk about discovery for like maybe 20 minutes of the show the rest of the time we're talking about news and same sort of uh, same form as format as this like what new what shows got canceled and isn't that a shame and look what this actor did and blah 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 right and here's some cool effects you know video blah 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 we have to let you go now? I probably got a few more minutes, but uh, whatever you want to talk about, I'm good. His spiky sense should return at least for five. So, Mike, let me, uh, Mark, let me ask you a question. Do you think yeah. zombies float or not? <laughs> really? Do We're going to go there? Huh? Did you ask if they float or not? Yeah, do, do zombies float? Yeah. Depends on whether they're in water or oil or some other liquid. Oh, well, right. I, I Wait, mean, no, no, like no, no, in no. Water. We never even considered that. So her brain, her brain just blew up. <laughs> so my, what I've always, what I've, I remember when I was, when I was younger, since we're going way back in the way back machine, there was a kid near our neighborhood who fell in some fell in some water nearby, and and I remember hearing about you how to well. Well, no, we used to, I used to live near Welland Canal, which is um, you know a famous waterway here in Canada, and mm-hmm. and I lived near the old Welland Canal, which was then used to dump sewage from the old uh, uh, paper mills and stuff like that. So it was it all sort of had this browny water with like foam on the top. So this little kid who was about three or four thought it was snow, and he thought he could walk on it, and he walked, stepped into the, the thing, and he, and he drowned basically. But yes. but I remember when they recovered his body, that somebody had sort of said that it took a couple of days to find him because when you first fall in the water and drown you sink right and then apparently the gases in your cells or whatever dissipate come out and the gases in your body make your body flow back up to the up to the top of the water so it takes a couple of days yeah right? i have so heard that yeah so that's why, that's why i'm t- that's telling why sam to always uh put, uh, cement, put shoes. cement shoes yeah or wrap you in cinder blocks or whatever yeah yep. so that's a so, jersey um, thing i just 
just want to point that out. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a Jersey. What do you call it? Um, sleeping with the fishes. Sleeping with the fishes. Yeah, yeah. So, the worst thing is when you wake up in the morning and there's a horse head in your bed. Yeah. Just <laughs> you and your horses. Let's look at the horses. She says. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So so that's why my I postulate that zombie slow. So here's here's a question I have about zombies, right? So like, how come they like live forever? It seems like don't they don't they need resources? Don't they need zombies? Don't they need vitamin D and like you know? Don't they need to like eat stuff and you know? They eat brains, right? It's the whole reanimation part. That's the part. I mean, I watch the zombie shows and I oh look at zombies, and, but but it's the whole reanimation part. You know, to me, dead is dead. Not you know? if you're a zombie. If you're a zombie, dead is like a whole new world. <laughs> is it? Is it really? Yes. Or or is it like you know the the low blood sugar? You know. <laughs> Well, Tim, here's, here's the thing. Zombies aren't real. Oh, so, so none really? of this really oh, matters. <laughs> I, we cannot be friends. Oh, this podcast is over. <laughs> Uh, Look, man, when it comes to it, I'll save you, Mark, even if you don't believe. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, but what do you think, though? So, what do you think, though, um, about the the whole dystopian, or I guess it's not dystopian, but the, the uh, apocalyptic uh, idea of a virus that wipes out, like, a large portion of the population? What do you think about that? Mark? Oh, that's certainly possible. Yeah? Yeah. Like the 13 monkeys kind of thing where it just wipes out. Certainly possible that some genetic genetically engineered virus will, oh, really? will escape and yeah, and wipe us all out. I mean, look at stuff like Ebola. Uh, if if Ebola had es- had escaped fifty years ago, we'd all be dead. Yeah, I we'd suppose. All like if we had air flight back then, like if we yep. had air travel and train yep. travel and whatever. Yeah, or, or like the Black Plague too. I guess that would be another right. one too, right? Well, that almost did it. That came close to wiping out pretty much the whole population of the planet. Did it really? Came close. It yeah. nearly well, took it out all England. of Europe. Yeah. Yep. Oh, really? Huh. Like all and that of was it. through. That was like rats in the water or something like that, or it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, fleas on the rats on the boats. So uh, it came. It came from somewhere. I don't know if it was India or China, but somewhere when, when Europe started trading with with those countries because they developed you know the, the boat technology to trade uh, in a relatively quick amount of time without having to walk the whole way. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the rats that got on the boat were car- or carriers uh, carried fleas, which were the carriers of the disease. And people uh, people over in those countries had some immunity to it, but when it came to Europe, there was no immunity. And they and they just start dying. I mean, kind of kind of like when when the early explorers came to America for the first time and and had the smallpox blankets and wiped out most of the native population here just because there was no no immunity. Mm, crazy. Yeah. Also, zombies are real. <laughs> <laughs> zombies are just people with low blood sugar. Come on, mm. that's why they're stumbling around. That is the worst feeling because I cannot tell you how many times that I have been accused of being on something or, or mm-hmm. inebriated or whatever the case is when really it's just my blood sugar. Like I, I have been known to walk around with a blood sugar as low as 20 and as high as like 200, 300 something. And I just, I'm not proud of it, but I've conditioned my body to, to function when it shouldn't. Tough it out. Yeah. And yeah. people are like, Oh, clearly you're on. No, I'm not on something. I'm having a medical thing and you're being a jerk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Yeah. My yeah. my son, when him and I went to uh, to 360 iDev, he still has a oh, scar right. on his hand because we were walking back and just we we went to McDonald's for dinner. We both mm-hmm. had a uh, the heck you call it those those cafe McCafe things were loaded with sugar. We're walking yeah. back on the main mall strip thing, and it just hit me, and he ended up having to rescue me from falling down and sliding down a wall and cracking my head open. Wow. And people are like, oh, you must be... No, I'm not on anything but sugar, really. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of uh, McDonald's and meat and stuff, um, have you guys heard of Beyond Meat? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's uh, it's vat-grown meat, right? It's like the Incredible Burger. It's what co- what grown meat? Uh, sorry, the Impossible Burger. It's, it's you know, it's vat-grown meat. Is it, is it actual awful. meat? So, or? well, no, no. So here's here's what I know about it. And so and I know about it because we had a, a barbecue at Strombo's house one day and he's a vegan, right? He doesn't eat any meat or whatever. Yep. And he had these Beyond Meat burgers and they're 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 basically vegan. They're made out of like vegetables and stuff, but they're oh. they're made in such a Huh? This is different than what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, so so it looks like like it cooks like a hamburger, like like beef, like it like it sizzles on the barbecue, like the whole moisture content or whatever and when you bite into it it looks like a pink you know hamburger that's been cooked and it's got a kind of a, a very similar texture like almost like a soft textured hamburger kind of taste to it right but it's amazing like i mean if this is the future of you know food i'm all in because it's it's an amazing burger anyway so the reason i'm thinking about it is because a and w up here you have a and w in the states do you yes yeah so a and w up here is starting to is in july or something like that is introduced Producing, they're going to start selling the Beyond Meat hamburger as their their veg, veggie burger, basically, mm. right? But it's an amazing burger. If you get a chance, I think it started in LA or something like that, but and it's spreading around. It just it's just come up here into Canada, and, and it's it's phenomenal. If you get a chance to try it out, check it out. That's my pick for the week, by the way. Beyond Meat. <laughs> a, so the thing I was talking about is the Impossible Burger, uh-huh. which I haven't actually tried, right? But but it basically it's 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 meat that's grown in a lab. Oh right, yeah, I've heard about that. Right, so. That's why I said called it vat-grown meat, and you know they start with some real meat cells and and somehow make them grow, and huh. it basically just it's meat without the uh, without the animal essentially. And I've heard it's good. I've never tried it, but this I've heard is it's how good. zombies are going to start. You realize that, right? Yeah, right. So as soon as yeah, as soon as an impossible burger becomes self-aware, then you got to you got a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of scary. So this it is the cross taking our jobs, AI yeah. and uh, and uh, and meat technology. Could you imagine yeah. a giant blob of meat with that is capable of thought, like traveling across <laughs> the world, destroying everything? Yeah, they're called human beings. Right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Wait, isn't there a game where you're supposed to like you roll and you collect things and like you get bigger and bigger? Yeah. What is the name of that game? What? No, you you just Snowball it's you're like this down you, the hill. No, you just roll around and you I don't know. Batman? No, no, it's it's weird. Like you literally roll around and you suck up things as you roll around and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now i got to send a message to my cat. Batman's actually pretty good. Okay, so, about it, so here's, some, here's some restaurants for you guys to look for since you guys are down there in the, in the below land. Um, da- yeah, below land. Um, TGI Fridays, Burger FI, Bear Burger, or Veggie Grill. You've heard of those places? Yeah. I've certainly heard of TGI Fridays. Been there probably too many times. Right, uh, okay. Veggie Grill, yeah, we've got those around. So, And then the retailers where, who sell these, is Amazon Fresh sells it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bella Rita, maybe? I don't know. Can't read that one. 
Uh, Ralph's. Yeah, it's a supermarket. Sa- yep. Safeway. 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 Safeway supermarket around here, the big one. I think yep. we have a Safeway around here, too. Yeah, Ralph's is more of a Southern California one. Yeah, Fred Meyer, Kroger, or Target. Kroger. We got Kroger, we got Target. We don't have Target. Yeah. So they have, they have uh, like, the Beyond Burger meat. They have Beast Burgers. They have sausages. They have uh, chicken strips, even. How do you do that? That's weird. That's weird. Tastes like chicken. Listen, you just had a sore <laughs> spot because my poor husband cooked us chicken and vegetables last night, and I swear to you, it tasted like fish, and we threw it away. Really? Well, yeah, that sounds that Katamari. Sounds Katamari is the name of the game. Katamari? Yeah, I had to send a message to my kid to ask. It's Katamari Damasi, D-A-M-A-C-Y. And, and what, what, what do I want to know this? Because you're just, you're this big gelatinous blob of God knows what, and you... I am? You're, I, I'm, <laughs> I feel rude. insulted by your tone. <laughs> and you roll around, and the things that you roll on, it gets sucked up, sucked up into your gelatinous blob of whatever you are, and the bigger you get, I guess the more points you score. It's really... Twisted. Now that I think. Wait, how do you spell it? Katamari. Is it K A T A? Okay. M A R I D A M A C Y. Katamari. Oh, it's on PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Katamari Demarcy. Yeah. Kata- that's. I don't know how. This. All right. So I said to my son, who's eighteen. Oh, it's a Chinese. He, by the way, he he's eighteen, so I can curse with him. I said, "What's the name? What's the game you roll around and collect things and become this big, <laughs> this big blob of shit?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, he knew exactly what I meant. Really? Okay. Well, he, yeah, he would. He, he's known you a long time. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's on the App Store too, apparently. Yeah. No, it, it's like a really popular game, and I I don't know why. It's on PS4, and oh, is this actually the game, or people just, or it's just the Flappy Birds of games now? Kind of like, yeah. Where's Jaime? You can't talk about games when Jaime's on I the know, show. I know. Because you know he'll be like yelling at his phone. Why am I moving this week? And the Catawals know this game too. Well, of course, because it has cat in the name. True. There's that. There's suckers for anything that says Kata in it. Katamari just was way darker than you thought. Oh, really? Yes. It's, These people look like hammerheads. It's a really bizarre game. It reminds me of, spoiler alert, the end of Play Dead Inside. Wasn't that your pick a few weeks ago, Tammy? Yes. Because they won a, an award. Who did? Um, oh, Play Dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Play Dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the same guy who did um, that other game. Oh, you know what I wanted to do? Here's a quick uh, quick exercise for you folks. Um, um, last week, uh, this is part of our fact check, right? We were talking about uh, the top 10 videos, right? Yes, we yes. were. I wanted to talk to you guys about, because I said that there was a bunch tied for seventh place, but there were also more that were... Um, I was surprised with the amount of metal videos that there were, that there were not as many votes for them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was surprised that Network Frameworks wasn't in there. <laughs> Uh-huh. See, I just can't watch the videos that are like businessy related. No, it'll it will remind you that that Swift has not lived up in my opinion, and this may be controversial. <laughs> and, and as Craig Craig Verson used to say, I look forward to your letters <laughs> if you <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, Swift hasn't lived up. This is we were talking about this a little bit last week. Swift, in my opinion, has not lived up to the whole promise of this protocol oriented programming stuff, mainly mm. because you eighty percent of what you use Swift for and maybe okay maybe
maybe not everybody works like this, but at least for me, 80% of what I use Swift for is working with things like UIKit or other Apple frameworks, which are still pretty much all object oriented. So you can't get away from sure. it. So, so you can try to do some of the, use some of these techniques, but it, it always feels a little bit, a little bit forced when you're trying to, cause you still have to go back to the old stuff. That's, you know, my opinion. And I'm not so saying the old the stuff thing. is bad. I'm, you know, I still like object oriented stuff. So maybe, right. I don't know, maybe it's just me. So here's, so here's the, the sort of follow up on what I was saying before. So in terms of the actual votes that, that got voted for, right, for the, the sessions, the number one was what's new in Cocoa Touch, what number two was introduction of Siri shortcuts and then in, mm-hmm. introducing CreateML, Swift Generics, advanced debugging in Xcode with LLDB, getting the most out of Playgrounds in Xcode, building faster in Xcode, and high-performance auto layout. And number 10 was embracing algorithms. So that, so mm-hmm. what are what were the next, what were the runners-up is what I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. So what's new in CoreML Part 1 was the the next voted one and then what's new in testing mm-hmm. uh, testing tips and tricks mm-hmm. building your voice with serious shortcuts probably because Ayaka Nanaka was in that one and then using collections effectively which is one, the one you and I liked uh, from last week right or mm-hmm. from sessions right anyway, those are the only ones that I tallied up but um, actually maybe I can go yeah so you know the what's new in Coco Touch one kind of doesn't count because who doesn't watch that one right yeah yeah <laughs> well it's like the platforms state of the union in a sense too right it's, kind of, it's actually or, the or it's second like the keynote, session, right? I mean, yeah, know, yeah. If you're going to watch any videos, you've watched the keynote, yeah. So it sort of doesn't true. count. That's true. Well, that's what I mean. That's why that's why the platform state of the union is kind of a throwaway. Um, yeah, it's funny though this year because because in every other year the platform state of the union always sort of set up what the other videos were going to be. That was sort of the here is a little bit of technology that we've introducing, and this is the sessions that cover that, right? right. They didn't really do that this year in the platform state of the union. Because there wasn't that much of, that was new. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose is that the one where they were talking about the tongue emojis uh, or was that the keynote? No, that was wasn't that in the um i think that became the running joke of the whole thing but th- didn't uh, craig federico talked about that in in, in uh, the, the keynote? keynote right yeah maybe so yeah yeah well it makes sense because like I, I guess they they somebody noticed that people stick out their tongue when they're doing selfies or yeah i guess so i don't know i, I just you know no desire if that's what people are downloading um 12 for i have no desire to do that yeah crazy yeah because we didn't do what's new in swift that's another one that could have been uh, voted for what's new in air crit 2 which you talked about mm-hmm. uh, inside swift shot was another one people were looking forward to um yeah i mean creating great ar experiences that was one that came up but that's probably probably more of a designy kind of thing right mm-hmm. yeah i didn't go to that one but it seemed like it was going to be a design talk yeah life of button was one of the ones people were looking forward to. was that one good i didn't i haven't watched that one greg greg watched it the other day and he seemed to enjoy it i haven't i haven't actually watched it myself so i don't know i also haven't watched uh, swift generics yet but i'm looking forward to that one yeah, that one took me a couple a couple of attempts. Yeah, it's a bit abstract. Yeah, maybe that's the uh, the Voterama. Have you watched Network Framework? No. And, uh, no you know, no. you're laughing, but it was actually really good. I will, I will so, watch it eventually. I, I well, the reason I was asking is I you know I want to see what your take was. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I think I thought it was a great talk. Yeah, Even well, it's funny it's because not necessarily something that's going to be the most useful thing right. because you don't do that kind of stuff that often, right? But just from a just from a pure learning about something and a and a well well presented yeah. talk. You know, there are, there are talks that are that have good information, uh, but are just you know horrendous from the presentation style. And then there are talks that are presented really well, but you know it's kind of fluffy. There's not a lot of useful there. Yeah. And this one, this one, I would say was a good balance. You know, it was a well presented talk. Well, like I said, it, it you know it's not useful for everyone. Not everyone's going to do this kind of stuff. But but you'll learn something new from it, and it was well well presented. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've I've noticed too in development that that some people don't want to hear about 
they're not interested in other things. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, they kind of walk away when, when you lose their interest rather than like, I'm, I don't, maybe you are the same way, but I'm the kind of person who wants to just, okay, what is your, what is your story? What is your, what's your challenges? I don't really, I'm not going to go and solve your problems, but I want to hear what your perspective is on it. Right. And I remember I joked about sockets last week, but, um, I remember when I first heard about them, I'm like, okay, okay. What are sockets? This was the first question mm-hmm. that came to my mind. And, and why do I care? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or why should I care? And because, as you know, I do a lot of network calls in, in my apps. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it does behoove me to understand how it works. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I will, I will get around to watching it eventually. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was one of those talks that was like, you know, it's, it, it's sort of like watching a movie, you know, there's a plot to it. There's a beginning, oh, yeah. there's progression, and then there's a, there's an end. And it's, it's like, uh-huh. you know, yeah, this is a co- coherent, well thought out presentation. There's other talks where it's just, here's a slide, here's another slide, yeah. here's another slide. Yeah. And there may be super useful information on every slide, but mm-hmm. it's not so well connected. And it's not like, it's not like telling a story about this content. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I want to take an advantage of the fact that we started early and we get to end early. Okay. <laughs> and duck out. So are you still there, Tammy? I'm still here. All right. Well, and I'm all fra- in favor for ducking out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you got food in your mouth too. I do. I'm eating peanuts and I shouldn't be because peanuts. it's after 8 p.m. But wow. they're raw peanuts. I don't like peanuts, but these ones are really good. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, All right. anyway, talk, talk to you, you guys time. later. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.